0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow his will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We've been going through this study uh, entitled Life and as a have said every week I know we have visitors each week so if you've been here every week you hear a little bit of the same recap but we again have visitors and and guests and uh, people that haven't been here the whole time and so uh, we're going through the study of Joseph's lineage and we'll eventually get to his life and then we'll talk about his legacy as well and in this study of life what we basically have uh, done is grabbed uh, these different lessons from Joseph's lineage so far Uh, that apply to our life or that are important to our life even today. And uh, things about love and loss and things about inspiration and imposition. Uh, Also things about family and uh, friends and faith and uh, events and experiences. All that stuff constitutes our life. And so we see uh, this journey that, that Jacob, that we've seen so far, Jacob, which is Joseph's father, go on. Uh, has taught us many things, and last week when we were in this message, we saw that Jacob and his father-in-law Laban uh, were kind of out to get each other. Uh, they Jacob had already been tricked, which Jacob had tricked his his father and his brother. But now he's gone, and he's tried to find his wife. He's found his wife, but he also got tricked to marrying her older sister, and so he's been tricked by his father-in-law, which is also his uncle, and. Uh, Now he's come to the end. Joseph is finally born, which is actually Rachel, the woman he came to marry, her son, her first and only son so far. And so now Jacob's like, all right, give me everything that's mine, and and we're going to go our own way. So his uncle, his father-in-law, Laban says to him, all right, tell me what I owe you. I'll give it to you, and, and you can go. Jacob gives him the proposition. Laban says, good deal to me. But then Laban goes and tries to finagle something out of the deal. He tries to, to, to get things for himself to make it beneficial more for himself than anything. Jacob has a plan himself, a scheming plan to try to work it out to where he gets everything that he wants from all of this. And so again, we see this manipulation by a father-in-law and a son-in-law, and an uncle and a, and a nephew and uh, it's really kind of been disheartening to see this go on because we know that Jacob was God's chosen uh, person to see the nation of Israel come about and to see the blessing of God come throughout uh, and, and even revealed in mankind. But here's the thing. Because of this, Jacob's plan ends up working out. Uh, Laban's plan gets foiled. Jacob's plan works out, and we saw the nature of man or something very important in the nature of man and point one last week point one was this it's already filled out in your notes and it's this the nature of man is selfish and self-serving Selfish and self-serving we know that scripture teaches that We aren't to live like that as the redeemed people of God, but we're to love the Lord We're to love others with everything that we have we are to according to Romans chapter 12 verse 10 We're supposed to honor each other and prefer each other in love according to Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 we are to do as Christ did And that is to esteem other people better than ourselves. And so because we battle this old nature, because most of us have this mentality of, I'm looking out for me and mine. I'm looking out for my own. We have to do a few things to help that, and that's what we got to last week. The first thing that we saw to help battle the flesh's nature, the nature of the flesh, is to be selfish and self-serving. The first way to battle that is to mortify the members of our flesh daily. So we've got to make a conscious effort because we all, all are geared to take care of ourselves. Remember what I said last week? We said, hey, you can mess with somebody else's family, and that's not cool, but you mess with my family, and we've got a problem, right? Because that, that, that's the way that we're wired. Again, we're selfish and self-serving. Um, and so to battle this selfish and self-serving nature, we've got to mortify the members of our flesh daily to put to death. We've got to literally cut off all the avenues, everything that draws us, to want to please ourselves and and to take care of ourselves first. We've got to avoid those elements that feed and, and again, um, help foster that. We have to daily remember and renew our minds and be mindful that there's this will of the flesh, the will that we have in ourselves, the pursuit of what pleases us, that that we're all designed to to, to go after, this fleshly indulgence that we battle. We have to remind ourselves and remember every day that that was handed over to Christ, when we surrendered our life to Him and accepting His free gift of salvation. We have to remi- remember that, that. Every day, remind ourselves, I'm no longer supposed to be living for myself. I'm no longer supposed to be doing things just that please myself or that, or that take care of me and myself. We have to remember that even those fleshly desires that sometimes lead us to sin, we have put to death. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says that. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And so... When we give our lives to Christ, we are no longer living to please ourselves. We no longer are living to please our flesh and, and, and do what makes sense to us or do what, the, what we want to do only. We, we gave that up. We killed that. We, we, we surrendered that whenever we gave our lives to Christ. but As I said, because we live in these fleshly v- vehicles, because we have these vessels that we walk around in, the old nature that we all had before, the old nature that abides in the flesh, knows what it's like to sin knows what it is to be pleased knows the pleasure of sin everything associated with it even though the pleasures of sin for a season the bible says we still battle that that pull we still battle that well i I would rather do this or i don't feel like doing that i know god's word says this but i i feel more comfortable doing that we battle that in, in our lives it's just a reality so again our responsibility as the people of god is to Make sure those things, those desires, those elements stay dead. Because again, the temporal pleasure, uh, the, the negative consequences that are associated with it, reality is this they don't compare to the eternal rewards of walking in the Spirit and pleasing the Lord. Uh, the enemy would, would deceive us in, uh, otherwise, and, and the world would, would preach a different, uh, try to uh, preach a, a lie to us and say that it's not like that. But that's the truth verse 25 says this in Galatians 5 it says if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit and it says this let us not be desirous of vainglory. so don't be deceited don't be selfish provoking one another or irritating each other envying one another so again we know that this is the battle of the flesh that we we're supposed to have killed the flesh mortify the members of the, of the flesh uh, which includes maybe the people that we used to hang around the thing the places we used to go the things we used to do like making sure that we're we're, we're putting that to, to to death every single day and following after the lord and so this morning we're going to pray we're going to move forward and see the last couple of points uh that will hopefully uh help us in this battle against the old nature that is selfish and self serving so let's pray father thank you for this time again we thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you through song and through giving and Lord, now we pray that you would be glorified in, in this message. Uh, we know that um, every single one of us battle the flesh, Lord, every day. And we have this, this real uh, enemy, and his name is Satan. We realize he's your enemy as well, and he's going to use uh, the elements that are at his disposal, the world, deception, uh, to play on our fr- on our flesh and, and to get us uh, to try to be uh, counterproductive to your kingdom, to, to step out and, and, and listen to our own nature and follow that path. And uh, Lord, help us to take these, these notes, these points today, and, and truly apply them in our lives. Lord, not just to, to hear them and not just to take uh, the, the blanks and put, them, put the answers in the blanks, but truly uh, make this and own this uh, in our life, uh, as a part of our life. And so uh, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for this opportunity. Now, I pray that you just use me as a vessel. Speak what needs to be spoken. I pray that you would refrain my lips from anything that doesn't. And Lord, again, we want you to be glorified. Of course, Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, if they've never surrendered their life, they've never uh, taken that free gift that you've offered to every man uh, and and accepted it, turning their their back and turning their life against uh, flesh, repenting of that and turning to you in faith, I pray if someone's like that, that they would come today and they would accept that free gift, they would receive that, that, that new life, That guarantees them eternal life. And so we praise you for what you do. we ask this and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first way to fight the nature of our flesh that's destructive, again, is to mortify every single day the members of our flesh. Again, this is fleshly desires. And the only way that we can do this is with the Spirit's help, with the Word of God. And, of course, we know that we're placed in the body of Christ as Christians to help in this well as well we have brothers and sisters that help remind us hey brother you don't need to go that way hey sister don't you know I, I want to encourage you I, this, is, this is a dangerous path or this, these are negative elements I just want to admonish you in that in that way but again we have to cut off those avenues that we know are pleasing to the flesh that feed and strengthen our flesh and that can be one of the hardest things to do in our life because when we get to a place where we're wanting to please the flesh sometimes the hardest thing to do is is listen to the Spirit. And Jesus, Jesus even told his disciples, hey, pray, pray here and, and, and I'll come back. They fall asleep and he, and he reveals a, a truth that's still very, I think, important for us to remember today that the Spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. You know, it's, it's easy for I've said this all along and I said this last week. I said it the week before that usually the easier thing to do is the fleshly thing. Typically, the more difficult thing to do because we are in a fleshly body is the spiritual thing to do. So again, when you're in a bad place, we say bad place, we're in a a place where we're wanting to please our flesh or we're really being pulled on our flesh and and do those things, it's hard to continue steadfast in the things that are spiritual and that are pleasing to God. Most of the time, as I said, Satan will make sure that there are people and there are things around us to try to help pull us down because what's the principle? Remember last week, I talked about my nephew and another young man here? It's a lot easier to be pulled down than it is to pull up. It's a lot easier, whenever you, especially when you're in a bad place, to, when, you, when you start hanging around people that, that don't really want to have a, a fully engaged relationship with the Lord or they're not as faithful to the Lord and, and, and to, to the gathering of the saints and, and to serving God. It's, the enemy will make sure that people are placed around you to help pull you down even further. And so again, we've got to be mindful of that when, when God uses either a preacher or a friend or a brother or a sister or a co-worker, somebody who says, hey, just want to remind you, You know, you've been a little different lately, or or whatever the case may be. Again, we've got to make that conscious decision in ourselves when we have the power to cut off those avenues. Maybe it is a friend that we say, you know what, I I just probably don't need to be hanging around them. I know they say they're a Christian, I know that they, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I feel like that they're pulling me further away from the Lord than they are actually pushing me to a closer relationship with him. Maybe it's something that you do. Maybe it's an activity that ends up pulling you away from the fellowship of believers. Maybe it pulls you away from, from, from right thoughts. Maybe it's certain shows or certain, uh, certain music or, or something that, that's not really pushing you to a closer relationship with the Lord, but it's pulling you to, to please your flesh more. I do this because I just like the show. or I do this because I like them. I like this. I, I do this because I like them. They're funny. They're this. They're that. But maybe they're not helping you walk in the Spirit. And again, keep the flesh killed, the second way that we can help uh, battle this selfish and self-serving nature in your notes is letter B, and it's this, make it our mission to invest in others and in the kingdom of God. Make it our mission to invest in others and the kingdom of God, or in other words, make it our pursuit in service for God and service for others, Make, make those things our absolute sincere priority. Think about this. How, how am I going to stay on track with making sure that I'm not living a selfish life, that I'm only thinking about me and my family? How, how, can, I, how can I get out of that mindset? How can I live a life that, that according to Scripture, is, is pleasing to God? Well, one of the ways is this. Realize that we haven't been called to live and to serve ourselves. So we've got to have this mindset. We've got to make it our mission. You know what? I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to serve others before I serve myself again that goes against everything that the world teaches us that goes against everything that uh, again the culture of this world says but I think that we often miss this because the answer to the question and the question is this is it your mission to invest in others for the kingdom of God I think we miss that because I think most for the for, for, uh, on the most part the answer to that for many professing Christians, is this, no, it's not my life's mission to invest in others for the kingdom of God. I think if we were to go around the room in churches like ours and around this, this nation, most of the time we say, hey, what's your life's mission? And I think some people would come up with some noble answers, and maybe some people would say, you know what, my life's mission is to serve the king of kings and, and to serve other people, point them to the king. I think some people would have that sincere but I think on the large part most of us would say you know what I just want to make sure I take care of my family that I keep my job that that that, I, that there's a roof over my head and there's food on the table and, and that we have this idea that that we're going to do these things and again uh, we, we forget this principle that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that he said the Gentiles worry about and stress over every day food shelter you know water all those things those things will be added unto you. But again, our our life's mission often becomes this worldly, fleshly, self-serving, selfish mission. Instead of making our mission in life to serve other people and point them to the king. So not only on the negative side that we're supposed to refuse the flesh and, and, and mortify the members of our flesh and to keep the avenues of temptation and, and the pull of this world and that, that pulls on our flesh, keep those things dead and, 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 and crucified with Christ. But on the positive side, we are to be doing things. We are to be making it our life's mission, our, our, our life's goal to serve other people. To use what God has given to us for others, what, what an amazing thought, right? God has given me so, so much, God has given me so many blessings, and, and even this freedom that we have. Think about this. Uh, Brother Jeffrey just shared that on Tuesday, uh, somebody was, was in a doctor's office and, and was able to lead somebody to the Lord in a doctor's office. You know what that is? That's having a, a, a life that's geared towards serving other people and pointing them to the kingdom of God. That's us have a, a mission of saying, You know what, I have freedom. And, and I'm in the doctor's office. And I could be all about me right now, but somebody else is in need. Amen. Having a life mission about other people. And God blesses that whenever we do that because, again, it falls in line with who he is. And we'll see that in just a second. But it's, it's a novel idea, right? Because one of the, the, probably the most popular verse that we have that, that people know is this. God so loved who? Himself? God so loved what? The world what did he do that he gave he served others. he he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life again it's the nature of God to think about others and we'll see that again in in Philippians that he didn't he, he thought of himself less than what he actually had to as God to consider us above who he was but again to to view our life the purpose of our lives with others in mind to be others-minded is the key to fighting this nature of selfish and self-serving man that we deal with but to be others-minded what does that look like it looks like spiritually relationally physically financially everything every aspect of our life for others Again, that goes against the nature of the flesh, right? That goes against our selfish nature. We start thinking, so you're telling me every day I'm supposed to get up and I'm supposed to be focused on other people and not me? I mean, I've got my own health. I've got my own bills. I've got my own stuff. I've got enough stuff to worry about to be able to focus on other people. And again, I think that's the backwards mentality that we miss so much of the blessing of God with. That's how we think. We think me, and I've got this, and I've got that. And and I think from God's perspective, again, biblically, it's this. I have given you all of this, and along with all of this comes all this responsibility. But here's the deal. I've given you all of this for others. For others. But that's not what the world teaches. The world teaches you you need to have this, you need to have that, and you save this, and save that, and put this, make sure this, and ensure this. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with having insurance or having a, a retirement plan or anything. I'm not saying that. But again, that's the course of this world. They tell us you need to make sure and take care of yourself and your own family. And then with the leftover, maybe you could do something for somebody else. Galatians chapter five, verse 13 says this, for brethren, you've been called to liberty, freedom in Christ. But look what he says, only use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't, don't use this liberty that you have now in Christ to, to, to live and please the Lord. Don't use it just to do what pleases you. Don't, don't you have this amazing opportunity to, uh, to sing praises and to, and, and, and to walk with God and, and, and to do so much in this earth. Now, before you were in bondage to sin, sin had you shackled. It was, you were a slave to it. It was dragging you to an eternity in hell and now you're free. You're set free. All those chains are gone. You know, the song Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. It's, this, is, this is a new life, a new life of freedom. And with this freedom, don't live for yourself. Look what he says, but by love, serve one another. Use the freedom and the liberty uh, uh, to, to make choices in this life uh, of either pleasing God or not pleasing God. Here's the path. Don't do it for yourself, but by love, serve one another. Be motivated by love and your service to each other. I love what First Peter says in First Peter chapter 4. Look what it says. And above all things, in verse 8, have fervent charity among yourselves. He's talking to believers. He says, look, have this burning... This, 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 this passionate love for each other, and again, this isn't a brother and sisterly way. Of course, it's not a, a husband and wife type of passion. It's a, it's a, it's a brother and sister. Have this as, as a family. You are a family, and you've been given the love of God. It, it's in you, and and with this love of God, let it abide among you as a family. Let fervent charity be among you, and because he says this, because charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Charity should cover a multitude of sins. I had a conversation with somebody this last week and and they used that verse. And I said, and I've I've shared this before, but you know, in our in our in our earthly families, right, our our sons and our daughters, they they do sometimes knucklehead things, right? And sometimes they, they go really far and they do really bad things. And they really make a mess of life sometimes. Even some of you who have already raised your kids and you raised them in church and for some reason they made some knucklehead decisions and they just turn their back on the Lord and they're going a different way. And you're like, man, why are they such a a knucklehead? Why are they making these dumb, foolish decisions? Why are they going that they know know better? They've been taught different. Why are they doing this? At, At that point when they do that and you feel like maybe they're embarrassing your family name or or completely disregarding everything you ever taught them and maybe in that process that, that that you're having those thoughts at any point in time do you have that thought maybe some people do I think for the most part people don't at any point in time do you have that thought they're just no longer I'm just no longer going to be their parent I'm just they're just no longer going to be my child I'm just going di- to I'm just going to disown them from being my family The choices they make we're no longer going to be family I, I'm going to I'm going to find another family I'm going to find some other kids that, that are better than my kids. You know? At any point in time, again, maybe may a, a few people who you know, maybe battle with some of that do that, but um, I think for the most part, the, the moment that our, our child, even if they haven't done everything right and made everything right with us and other people that we think, the moment they would come to our house and say, hey, can we talk, what would we do? Sure. We wouldn't have disowned them. We wouldn't have tried to find another family because of the decisions they've made, because maybe they hurt our hearts, maybe because they, they, they even offended us. Maybe they, maybe they said some really ugly things to us, but our child, when they came back home, it would still be our child, right? It'd still be our family, right? Amen. And so uh, it's because of this love that we have for our family and this, this allegiance to our family. But the amazing thing is this. Let somebody offend somebody in a family like this, a church family. Let somebody say something wrong, or not do something right, or upset them, or not talk to them, or not fellowship with them, or not do something. And what is the consideration? Maybe we just need to get a new family. Preach. And oftentimes the reason why we justify this is because, well, that's our blood. I'll say this, there's, that's temporal blood because one of these days this body's gonna stop, and the blood in my body's gonna dry up. Well, you know, I'm not gonna do that. They'll get rid of the blood. And and then the body will will, will dry up, turn to dust, ash, ash, dust, dust. Um, and so that blood's gonna be gone. But in my eternal soul will still abide the everlasting blood of our Savior that gave me life, that was filled to give me life. It's the blood that runs through, it's, it's the blood that's covered us, that's washed us. That, that, that we all have in common now. We are under the blood of our Savior if we're, if we're saved. And so when problems arise, that's why Jesus said, uh, th- think about this. Why do you think so much of the New Testament has to deal with having right relationships and making sure how to deal when things go wrong? Because the Lord knew, hey, you're people, and you're going to get upset at each other. You're, you're going to run into issues. You're going to run into problems. There's going to be difficulties. So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses and instruction on how To get things right and to do things right in your relationship with each other. He says, charity love will cover a multitude. If you have this burning burning love for each other, this sincere family, the blood-bought family of God, if you have this amazing burning love for each other, that love will cover a multitude of sins. That means when that person doesn't say what you want them to say or when they don't, don't shake your hand or when or they're not as nice as you wanted them to be, that your love, because it's a burning love for them, it will cover that. Like, you know what? I'll probably do things that upset them too, you know? Nine, use hospitality one to another without grudging, which is interesting. Like, without any expectation, without any, uh, well, I did this for you. You should do this for me. No? That's not the way it works. I do this because I love you. That's the way it's supposed to be. Without any expectation of return, as every man hath received a gift. Listen to this. Even so, minister the same to one to to another. Listen to this. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So he says this. You've been given gifts. You've been given a gift. You've been given this opportunity. You've been given this liberty. You've been given this love. You've been given all these things. And so, even so, as you have received the gift, you need to serve each other with that. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The reality is this. None of us deserve anything good. None of us deserve spiritual gifts, abilities. None of us deserve time. None of us deserve anything. But because God in his love and his grace has given to us his people, his church, gifts and abilities to serve each other with, he says, hey, be a good steward of that grace and serve each other with what God has given to you. So what does that mean? That means that God's view of good stewardship is using what he has given to us for others. Did you get that? God's, God's view of good, steward, good stewarding of his grace is when we look at our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything, our abilities, our gifts, everything, God's idea of good stewardship is when we in his grace, because again, we don't deserve any of that, so we use those things to serve other people. It's a different view from the world, right? <laughs> the world tells you you need to get your education, you need to get your skill set, you need to get all these things so that you, you have a good career path and you have everything that you need in this life and even some things that you want. That's what we, we're taught, right? Store riches for yourself. It's your time, it's your stuff. That we don't have to rely on anybody. I love Jesus, his ministry on this earth in the flesh. Because he was one instance after the other blowing up man's ideas, blowing up the religion that, that the Jews had, had, had created. I mean, I, I love it. And so he comes on the scene and he gives this novel concept to especially the religious crowd of that day. And he says this in John chapter 13, look at verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. A new commandment. It's not a new commandment. But it's a novel concept for them in that day. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now that's maybe the new concept, that you also love one another. And look what he says in verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Love other people like I have loved you. That's how people will know that you belong to me, is when you love and you live your life and you love others like I have loved you. Paul would charge the Philippian believers as I said in in, in the introduction and we would get to this. He charged the Philippian believers like this. Verse 3, chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. We saw this already. But in lowliness of mind, let let each esteem other better than themselves. Look what he says here. Look not every man on his own things. That's pretty clear. Every person doesn't need to only be concerned with their own stuff, their own life. But every man also on the things of others, the life affairs of others, the, the, the spiritual condition. The, if, you're a, if, you're, if you're a child of God, your mind should, mindset should be, I am looking and living to point others to Christ. I'm looking to serve other people so they know the King. And that's what he says in verse 5. It's the same mind that was in Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, he had all of the glory of God, thought it not Robert, to be equal of God. Again, he was God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. In other words, he looked like us, a fleshly being. And being found in the shape and the fashion of a man, all the, all the attributes of a man. He ate, you know, he got tired, he, he, all that. He, he was thirsty. He humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So that mind is supposed to be in us, the same mind that was in, in Christ Jesus. Again, he was God. He, he, he didn't have to prove that he was God. He just was God, and that's the nature of God. He is who he is. But he did this considering us. He came to this earth, he made himself a fle- in flesh, the flesh that he created, considering us above himself. So let that same mind be in you. Think about other peoples above you. Think about other, other uh, people, groups, and, 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 and individuals. Th- think about them above you. And Colossians 3 says this to the Colossian church, whatsoever you do do it heartily as unto the lord and not unto men knowing that of the lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the lord christ here's the point the faster that we get to that others minded lifestyle the quicker we'll experience the unique blessings associated with that and so what does that look like i'm just telling you this you can only experience it. People can give you a testimony. They can share that. They can they can talk about, um, you know, man, what the blessing it is to share with somebody in the doctor's office and give them the gospel, or to stand there in the middle of the heat and and, and share the gospel with somebody out in, in the sweltering heat, or or, or to, to to spend all weekend and, and, and exhausting yourself and serving these kids that end up stinking and smelling and, and 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 all this kind of stuff. To see these 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 children come to the, the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, you can hear that, and you say, oh, that, that's pretty cool, but it's not a, a true blessing to you until you experience it for yourself, I, until you say, you know what, I'm going to stop living for me only, and I'll start thinking about other people and how I can live my life for other, serving other people and pointing them to Jesus Christ, and when you start doing that and you start experiencing those unique blessings, then it's not just stories about somebody, oh, that's cool. I'm just not as spiritual as them. I'm just, I, I just don't know that it would be. No, no, no. When you experience it for yourself, you're like, wow. And here's the sad thing. So many people go their whole Christian lives, or the majority of their Christian lives, and they never live like that. They never have this others mentality. They never pour into other people, pointing them to Jesus Christ and, and, until later in life. And they get to that point later in life, and they realize, I wasted all that time. I was so focused on me. I was so focused on 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 my insecurities and my what what I wanted from my life and what was comfortable for me and and making sure that I had this I never considered other people and now that I have and I've and I've shared this and I'm living for that and I'm serving other people I'm experiencing blessings that that I can't really even explain to people and I would just encourage you this morning not to do that not to wait not to miss the blessings that God has for you right now even in eternity but the truth is we're inundated with things that are designed to make us feel good about ourselves right that's that's kind of the pursuit of 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 this world in in large part there's nothing wrong with feeling good about ourselves i'm not saying that we should walk around all being depressed and feeling bad about ourselves that's not what i'm saying from the right perspective but we're inundated with this idea that we are to feel good about ourselves in every way regardless of the situation but what happens in this is this we become obsessed and infatuated with how things make us feel only that's the only thought that we have is me us what we want and because we become obsessed and infatuated with this Because we feed that part of our flesh, that's what we become motivated in. That's what we begin to pursue in our life. and we begin to forget that we are living for Christ alone, remember uh, in Colossians 3 that we just said, you serve the Lord Christ. We forget that we're supposed to be investing those gifts that he gave into others. You know, the only time that I've seen that um, Christians whether it's myself or other people, get frustrated or even maybe get bitter or maybe get resentful in serving the Lord. You, you know the only time that that happens? You, the only time that happens is when we begin to look at ourselves. I don't like. Well, this is how they treated me. Well, this my... That as, as soon as we take our eyes and our focus off Jesus Christ and serving him and, and, and off the, the, the pursuit of serving others and pointing them to Christ, the moment we take, it, take our eyes off of that and begin to think about ourselves and look back to ourselves again, that's when we become bitter, resentful, and again, maybe frustrated enough to say, you know what, I don't know if I want I to do this anymore. I don't know if I need to be here anymore. I don't know. it. it that's what happens. Start looking at ourselves. At least, the third way, and I'm going to try to hurry with this, to help us avoid living selfishly and self servingly is this we have to mindfully apply the principle that there's no true, true reward without sacrifice. That's the truth, and, and that's the principle that we need to apply. But you know how easily we are deceived in that? And here's the case in point. There are million dollar companies that sell all kinds of diet products. Diet pills, diet drinks, Diet, diet Coke. You know, I mean, some of you like, hey, don't talk about Diet Coke. But th- there's, there's, all, there's millions and probably billions of dollar companies that are, that are, that are geared towards that but but here's the reality i don't care how much diets coke that you drink that's not what's going to get you healthy and lose weight what's it going to take sacrifice in some shape or form it's going to take sacrifice it's going to take take sacrifice in the diet it's going to have to be a certain type of diet what you drink you know what you eat it's also going to come in sacrifice of time and effort. It's going to come with those things. I mean, to, I mean, some, some people can lose weight and be, be un, in, a, in an unhealthy way and not, not have a healthy uh, body, but the only way for you to have a healthy body and to, and to do that is through sacrifice. That's why America struggles with that, first of all, because we are inundated with that mindset of, just do what pleases you. You're free. Enjoy the freedom. Do what you want to do. And so we get inundated with this mindset that it's just too hard to do this. I don't, I don't want to do this. Or, or, or maybe we, we, we busy ourselves with this. I don't have time for this. I don't, it's just easy. Again, we have this mindset. But, the, but again, the reality is there's no easy way to that. The only way to it is to sacrifice. But that's, not only in the physical realm, most importantly, it's in the spiritual realm. Again, we look to Jesus, our perfect example, ultimate example in all things concerning this principle. Look at it, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I love, I love this section of scripture. It, it is, it's, well, I love Hebrews. It's very rich in, in several different things. But um, look what it says in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Now, what is he talking about? You go back to chapter 11, it's the hall of faith. It, it, it's people like uh, David and, and, and Moses and Noah and, and, and even Samson. I mean, there's, there's, there's the, the, the hall of faith in, in chapter 11. And, and what he's talking about is these people, they didn't ab- obtain uh, the, the promise, but they had faith and they followed God even through hardships and difficulties and sacrifice. This is the life these people live. And so the, the writer says, so, seeing this is our example before us, seeing this is the cloud of witnesses around us, that these people please God by faith, Hebrews chapter 1 and 2, 11, 1 and 2. This is how they please God, but understand that their faith wasn't a flesh coddling faith, it was through great sacrifice. It says, So, we've got this cloud of witnesses around us, and seeing that, let us lay aside every weight. Everything that would hold us back and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here's the examples. It's done through, through del- being delivered from the mouth of lions and, 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 and waters and floods and pharaohs and all this kind of stuff. These people went through great sacrifice as they were trusting God in this pursuit of God, in this consideration of living their life for others And this is the example we have before us to let us do the same thing, keeping them in mind. But the truth is this. We can't run our race. We can't live for the Lord and please him. We can't can't live for others if we're weighted down with with, with other stuff and we've got sin that's carrying us to the side. So we've got to lay that stuff down and we've got to run the race with patience that's set before us. And then I love verse 2 and 3. Look what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And look what this says. Who for the joy that was set before him, reward, that's the reward, endured the cross in the despising shame, that's the sacrifice, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it's such an amazing thing that we might have this idea in our lives that we are going to have a successful run of faith A life pleasing to God similar to those that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, That 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 again is by faith which again That's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and 2 talks about is without faith or chapter uh, verse 6 without faith It's impossible to please God We have this idea that we can do it by living for ourselves And that it's going to come easily and that it's going to come with comfort That's why we have to mindfully apply true rewards come through sacrifice we've got to surrender ourselves to receive salvation it's free absolutely free but we have to surrender to receive it we have to count the cost we have to lose our life lose control of it and give that to him and that's what jesus said in matthew chapter 16 then jesus said his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me the reward eternal life but what do you got to do you got to sacrifice your own life True reward comes through sacrifice. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, it comes through sac- comes through the reward. True reward comes to that. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, Paul's speaking. He says, know ye not that they which run a, in a race run all. Everybody in a race is running, but there's only one that receives the, the, the gold medal at the end of it. So Paul charges the Corinthians, in your walk of faith, in your life of faith, run so that you'll win. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for mastery is tempering in all things. He has self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. People running around a track or running a long distance, they doing it to get something that one day is going to corrupt. But we, an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. I'm not, I'm not doing something that, I, that I'm uncertain of. So fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Look, I, I keep my, myself under control under the lordship of Jesus Christ, striving after him, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. It's the principle of discipline. It's the principle of sacrifice. And athletics, which Paul, again, just compared our spiritual lives to, it's clear, very clear. The most uh, awarded swimmer in history said this, if you want to be the best, You have to do the things that other people aren't willing to do michael phelps if you want to be the best this is a worldly perspective right but it's it's a principle that's even evident in the world if you want to be the best you have to do the things that other people aren't willing to do so think about that in the spiritual realm if we want to please god if we want to to win that prize it says you know run that you may obtain run the the race of faith so that you please God, so that you cross the finish line with, with victory. You've got to be willing to do what other people aren't willing to do. Fastest man in the world said this, dreams are free, goals have a cost. Remember what we're supposed to be doing in this race, looking unto Jesus, the goal? He's the upward calling, we'll see in a second. Goals have cost. While you can daydream for free, goals don't come without a price. Look what he says the price is. Time, effort, sacrifice, and sweat. How will you pay for your goals? Usain Bolt. Like the world gets it, right? The world gets it even, and here's the, the thing. We even get it in the world as the people of God. We get it. We understand it. Now, we don't like it all the time because we want stuff to come to us easily. Like, I'd rather just go and, 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 and not have to work real hard and then get a really big paycheck. But we, we realize that, that typically is not the way it, that it goes. Typically, you have to work and you have to, to perform and then you get a promotion and then people recognize you and then you keep working and you have to sacrifice and you have the time and your effort and overtime and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and that's the way it works in the world. But the amazing thing is, is this principle applies in our life period and we have a hard time applying it spiritually i want to please god in my life i want to i want to run my race so that i win i want to do those things but we don't always have sacrifice in mind when we're thinking about that romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this though i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. It's the only way to have a, a, a vessel that's pleasing to God. So as I close this morning, I want to ask the question what is our goal? What is your goal? Who, who is our goal? Again, we said Jesus Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 said that. I press toward the mark, I press towards that, that goal. For the prize of the high calling. What's that mean? The upward calling. When he calls me home. That that, that I'm a part of the resurrection. That's what I'm pressing toward. Jesus Christ. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Again with this idea that there's no true reward without sacrifice. I think that we have to evaluate this morning. That maybe we're not seeing our Lord. Or pleasing our Lord. Or having him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe we don't see him and that as a true reward. I want to say that again. I'm concerned that maybe in our lives, and in our 2018 American Christian lives, that we don't see Jesus Christ. And us hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant maybe we don't see that as a true reward maybe I need to ask that of us this morning do you? Is that what you're running for in your life? Is that what you're living for? Every day that you get up, are you saying, you know what, I just want to live this day, I want to serve the Lord and serve others, and and I want to please Him because I can't wait for that day that I stand before Him, I can't wait to be in the presence of my Lord, I can't wait to hear those words, well done, The, the God that sent His Son to die in my place, to die for my sins gave me grace when I was was, was a sinner. That God, one day I want to see him and I want him to say, I'm pleased with your life. Is that that a true reward for us? Or is that just some type of thing off to the side? Yeah, that'd be cool if that happens. See, again, in Scripture we, we see, no, 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 that is to be the goal. That's to be the aim. Is what you're striving for in life, does it point to Christ? Ask yourself that question and answer that. Is my life, what I'm living for, when I get up on Monday, when I get up on Tuesday, Wednesday, on the weekend, on Saturday, when I get up, what I'm striving for, does it point to Christ? If everything you are pursuing in this life were given a litmus test to gauge its eternal value, would most things pass? I'm not saying there's not things that we don't do that are primarily temporal value. Of course there is, because we live in a temporal world. But I'm talking about it's the pursuit of your life, the course that your life is set on, the passion, the beat of your heart. Is it in line with God's eternal scope? As the musicians come this morning, let's just be honest, let's be honest In this message, as we're considering that we have this amazing freedom in Christ, as we're considering that the the battle against our flesh, uh, the nature of our flesh to be selfish and self-serving is real, let's really be honest and say, you know what? That's who I am. I have a nature that's selfish. But if we can be that honest, let's also say, you know what? What? because i realize that my nature can be selfish and i can only look out for myself and be self-serving this morning i'm going to make every effort with the resources of heaven the word of god the holy spirit the body of christ to fight that every single day every single day i'm going to try to mortify the flesh every single day i'm going to say you know what i realized i've got to be a living for other people i've got to i've got to live this life of sacrifice in order to see true reward you find yourself getting frustrated when you don't get what you want when you don't get your way are you on a roller coaster of uh fulfilling fleshly pleasure and then feeling convicted that you fulfilled the flesh and you you sinned and then up and down and up and down again you say man that's me I'm on this roller coaster I'm up and I'm down I'm up and I'm down I just want to encourage you in charge of this morning let's make sure that we're setting our lives on this course that clearly reveals that we're in pursuit of the king that we're clearly in pursuit of a true prize It's worth the sacrifice. Souls are. One day when we get to heaven, if those four souls were able to know them and see them, I promise you would be able to ask them, those that got saved this week. Hey, was the effort and the sacrifice and the the time, was that worth it to you for somebody to come to you and share? I guarantee you they'd say yes. I want to invite you to come down this morning when we open up the altar. And maybe you just say, you know what? I I need to apply these points today. That's what I need to do. I need to make sure that I, I keep the flesh mortified. I need to make sure that I mindfully apply that sacrifice is the only way that true reward comes. I invite you to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this reminder this morning. Would help us to, to be others-minded. As we saw, we, we've got to live our lives with that mission. Lord, you've given us grace, you've given us gifts, you've given us all kinds of uh, resources to live for you and to live victoriously in this world. Despite all the distractions, despite all the discouragement, the, the, the difficulties that come in our way, um, Lord, you've given us everything to live victoriously. And I pray this morning we would, we would be focused on that. We would be focused on serving you. We'd be focused on serving others. But I, I feel like that we could see a great revival happen Uh, in this church and not only in this church but in this community spreading throughout our state and our nation if your people would just take on the mindset that you told us to take on Lord that we would stop living with a mindset that the world tells us to live by that we would stop living by the mindset that is is natural for our flesh to live by and that's to serve ourselves to live for ourselves God I feel like if we would just get this straight that there would be a great work that we could never fully explain And I desire that, Lord, and know that it would bring glory to you, your people, living this way, living for you, living for others. Lord, help us do that. Help us to respond rightly in this message, and help us to not only have these notes written down on a piece of paper, but I pray that we would take them with us and apply them in our lives, that maybe even today we would be considering how our lives could impact somebody else. Today, we we would understand that true reward doesn't come without sacrifice, Lord. Again, we pray you would move now in this invitation, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray it all.